Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. chapter number four. When you find your place, I'll invite you to stand. And uh, I felt led this this weekend to pick up where we were on Wednesday night and uh, just kind of gave a touch of this on Wednesday night. Felt led that this would be where the Lord would have for us this morning. Mark chapter number four and verse number 33. The Bible says, and with many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. <clears throat> but without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Now notice verse number 30, uh, 39, excuse me, and 40. Here's where our, our thought will be today as we finish up, Lord will, in this chapter. The Bible says in verse number 39, And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. You may take a seat. Let's bow for a word of prayer and we'll get into the message that the Lord would have for us today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, <coughs> Lord, we come before you, God, this morning. As thankfully and humbly, God, as we know how, thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be at Beacon Baptist Church one more time. And, Lord, for everything that you're doing in our midst, everything that you're doing in our church, everything that you're doing in the hearts and lives of your people, God, we cannot stop. We cannot help but stop and give you the praise and the glory. Thank you, God, for loving us the way that you do. Thank you, Lord, for loving the entire world and offering salvation, uh, Lord, to whosoever will. Father, I do pray this morning that your will would be done. I pray as I often do prior to preaching, God, that you'd forgive me of sin, empty me of self, fill me with your spirit, use me, God, I pray for your glory. Help me to only say the things that you'd have to be said, and help me, God, not to say anything that you wouldn't have to be said this morning. I pray, dear God, in the name of Jesus, that you would so anoint me and so fill me with the Holy Ghost 
that you would use me as your vessel this morning to speak your word to this congregation. Lord, to those that are saved, I pray that they would find a message straight from their Father to them uh, today. Uh, Lord, I pray that it would be received that way. God, that you'd speak through me to them that way. And Father, to those that don't know you as Savior, I pray, dear God, that those, uh, Lord, that are not saved would hear a message of, of a Savior that loves them and wants to save them. And Lord God, I pray they'd be born again before they leave these grounds today. May you do the work, God, I pray, that only you can do. May you minister in the hearts and lives of all of those gathered here today. And Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, we will say nothing less than it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. And oh, what a Savior is ours. Get glory to yourself, we pray, in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. As we began several Wednesday nights ago looking in this passage, we began here in Mark chapter number 4, and we all are familiar for the most part, I would imagine, uh, with the account before us, that we understand that here uh, the apostles of the Lord Jesus uh, have been ministering. Jesus has been ministering by way of parables. Uh, other accounts talk about the large crowd uh, that he ministered to and that he spoke these parables to, uh, teaching and with a full day of ministry. He begins to, uh, he begins to conclude uh, the evening of his teaching by the seashore and giving parable after parable, many of which we are very familiar with in our studies of the Word of God. When we come to verse number 35, uh, the day has concluded as far as the teaching of the Lord. And he looks at his disciples and he says, let us pass over on to the other side. And you that are familiar with your Bible, those that have been uh, here for the times that we've looked in this passage, we understand what took place as they get into a ship and they begin to make their way to the other side. The Bible says that uh, there in verse 37 arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And these disciples, they respond with great fear. They respond in panic. Uh, they respond by going to the Lord and asking him the question, Master, carest thou not that we perish? They ask that question because they are awake and they are alarmed and they are scared for their lives. And Jesus is in the back of the ship and he is asleep on a pillow. And the fact that he is asleep during the storm uh, to them, they, they say, it looks to them as if Jesus does not care. But can I say this this morning? That could not be further from the truth. I believe that the Lord allowed this to take place the, the way that he allowed it to take place. And we'll look more of, uh, into this in a minute. But I believe he was trying to teach them a lesson. And I believe that he does teach us a very important lesson here in this passage. We've seen as you, we read uh, through verse 33 and all the way down to verse uh, number 38, we see how mankind uh, responds to storms, how these disciples that are a picture of how you and I in our fleshly natures, how we respond to the storms that arise in our 
our life, we respond with despair. We respond, we respond with discouragement. We, we respond, uh, uh, amen, sometimes with depression and fear and so many negative things. When storms come in, we uh, are, are, are blown to pieces in our emotions, if you will. But in verse 39 through 41, we see not how, uh, how the disciples and how we as human beings respond to a storm, but the great lesson of this passage allows us to see how Jesus himself acts during a storm. And that's what we've been looking at. That's what we've been preaching on, how Jesus acts in the storm. We saw that he acts presently in verse 39. He arose. He did so immediately or presently. We saw Wednesday night that he does so peacefully in verse 39. When he arose, he rebuked the wind and said, peace be still. But then this morning, I want us to see this third aspect of how Jesus acts in a storm. And that is verse number 39 as well. Not only does he act presently in a storm and peacefully in a storm, but can I say this this morning? He acts powerfully in a storm. Notice your Bible there in verse number 39. The Bible said he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And to those three words we find the following statement. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I don't know about you, but I've never been able to make the winds of a storm cease. I've never been able to make the, the raging waters, amen, of stormy, uh, of stormy seas come to a place of peacefulness and stillness and calm. That is a power that I do not have. Even as a preacher of the gospel, even as a Christian, as a child of God, I realize there's a crowd out there that would like to say that you and I have the ability to do anything as far as working miracles and things of that nature, but I'm sorry to report to you that that does not come within the two lids of our Bible. Amen. I'm telling the working of God is a miracle worker, yes, but the human vessels by which the, the, the gift of the working of miracles took place has already ceased when the last apostle died. John died on the Isle of Patmos. I personally believe that it happened much earlier than that, but there, but that's a different message for a different day. I've already preached it uh, to this congregation, so uh, you should know if you were in church that night. Amen. Uh, however, let me say this: that even though that even though the working of miracles through human hands is not God's order today, don't ever forget the fact that we have a God that still does work miracles and has great power. I could take the time this morning and we could go from one verse to the next verse to the next verse to the next verse throughout the Old Testament and New that expounds and extols the, the Lord's power. That it gives us in great detail the Lord's power. But can I say this over and over again? The Bible tells us that we have a God that has great power, that He is infinite in power. Amen. 
Amen. And it is displayed here in these verses by God. Amen. That is able, and the Lord Jesus Christ is able to cause such a, a, a wonderful change, a supernatural, miraculous change with the speaking of just three words. I told you on Wednesday night, I don't even think the Lord had to speak three words. But we find it here in these verses. Remember Wednesday night? I believe the reason why we have three words recorded is to let us know how easy it is for the Lord to bring peace to our, to our storms and to our problems. He, it's, it's so easy for Him. Why? Because of the power that He possesses. Notice with me real quickly as we walk through these verses we see some things about His power with these three words. He proved uh, to them <coughs> how powerful he was and how much he truly cared for them. With these three words from his mouth, he put to end everything that had thrown them into a state of panic, fear, and doubt. With these three words, he lets us know how powerful he is in the fact that he was able to bring peace to this storm. And notice the power that we see here in this verse when he says, peace be still. We see that he was so powerful that peace came to this storm suddenly. Notice, notice your Bible in verse 39. The Bible said right after he said, peace be still, the Bible says, and the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. I believe with all of my heart, and I believe you would agree with this, that this was not something that took place over the next period of minutes or, or, or hours even as they were on the sea. These are men that are distraught, that they're about to lose their lives. The Bible said he spoke, and so it was. It was a sudden miracle that took place. And can I say this? We have a God this morning that whatever we're going through. He may not always choose uh, to bring the storms of our life to an end in just a moment, but can I say this? We have a God that is powerful enough to do that if He chooses to. There are storms that you and I face that truly and honestly are much more scary to us than being in a boat with raging waters, stormy waters, and with uncontrollable winds. I don't know about you, but there have been some storms that I have faced, not the physical thunderstorms of our day, not the wind storms and the sand storms and all of the different kinds of storms that plague the world in which we live, but I'm talking about storms in our life, mental storms, emotional storms spiritual storms at times, financial storms, amen, uh, family storms, amen. You go down the list, you name what we deal with. There are things that we go through that are more terrifying than being in physical danger. And can I report to you, if we have a God that is able to speak to physical winds and physical waves and cause them to lay down their raging, lay down their uncontrollable nature and be obedient to His command with just three simple words, we have a God in heaven that can handle everything that you deal with mentally and everything you deal with financially and everything you deal with in your heart and in your life. God, listen 
to me free up. Thank God we have a God that can handle it all to this morning. He handled the storm. He showed his power in bringing peace to this storm suddenly. But can I say this as well? We see the Lord's power in bringing peace to this storm strikingly. Notice again in verse number 39, these words, and the wind ceased. And I like this phrase, and there was a great calm. God exchanged great chaos for a great calm. Can I say this this morning? That is a striking difference that only God was able to make. If it was not for Jesus being on the boat, if it was not for him choosing uh, to arise and begin to work presently in this moment, if it was not for the Lord uh, that chooses to respond with peace and with his power, if it wasn't for Jesus on board, these disciples would have drowned. If it wasn't for him, being on board and exercising the power <coughs> amen that he exhibited they would have lost their lives they would never have got the wind to cease they would have never got the waters to lay down but can I submit this to you this morning Jesus Christ makes the difference no matter how big or how small it may seem that the storm that we are in is and he truly makes a striking difference to where you can go and I've had this happen so many times in my life where I've been going through a, a trouble, been going through a trial, a storm if you will and the things on the outside didn't necessarily change. The questions that I had didn't necessarily get their answer in a moment's notice. That it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily that what I was dealing with in my life externally had a change. But I can, Brother Charlie, I can tell you many, many times in my life where I've went a storm and a trial, I've went before the God of this universe, and I've bowed, I went on bended knee to my prayer place and began to call on God, and it wasn't very long before I realized I wasn't the only one in that room, but there was a power from above, there was a sweet breeze from another world that came into my, amen, as, a, as a Brother Barry Spears said, there was gallons of gallons glory that came into my soul and began to help me and it didn't matter how the ray how it seemed on the outside because God made a striking difference within the storm still raging as far as I could tell on the outside the questions hadn't always been answered but in my heart the Holy Ghost of God said peace be still and I'm thankful for when the Lord says, peace be still to the problems that I deal with externally on the outside where he meets a need, answers a question, does whatever he does to fix the storm physically, mentally, emotionally, however it may be, to where all of that comes to a resolution and you move on past the resolution that God gives. But I'm just as thankful this morning that while the Lord is allowed 
allowing the plan for the storm to work its way into my life and to produce its results that he still has the ability to teach me through the storm what he wants to teach me but still in my heart give me peace in the storm. I would say that tells us about the power of our God. Jesus did something in the presence of these disciples that could not be mistaken that it was from Him. And I submit to you this morning, God can do the same for you, and God can do the same for us. To where there's no doubt, there's no mistaking that this is God's work in our lives being done. When God, when Jesus acts in a storm, He acts presently. When He acts in a storm, He acts peacefully. When He acts in a storm, He acts powerfully. But lastly this morning, I'll submit this to you, when Jesus acts in a storm, He acts purposefully. Can I say this this morning? I'm glad that we have a God that does not send us into a storm, allow us to go through a storm, or leave us in a storm for without a purpose. There is nothing that you have ever went through in your life that God does not have a purpose that He is wanting to work through the fact that you're in your storm. God has a purpose in mind. It does not, it does not grant the Lord any pleasure. He does not delight in your pain whatsoever. If He allows you to go through pain-filled days, it's because there is a reason for it and there is a purpose that He's wanting to work in your life because of it. I believe that the reason that we find this statement, and we talked about this a couple of messages ago, but if you look in Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 25 and 26, it is clear from Matthew's account of this passage that the Lord uh, spake these words um, that, that the Lord uh, that, that the Lord uh, um, uh, gave, uh, he, that the Lord gives us this text, gives us this statement, gives us this phrase in calming the storm even though Jesus tells us that He speaks them, uh, that He speaks the words in verse 40 of the why are ye so fearful and how is it that ye have no faith? He speaks these words before He even arises to calm the storm. That's what Matthew says. Before he ever gets up uh, from his place where he had been sleeping, he looks at them and says, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And then he stands and speaks peace to the storm. But I believe that the reason why the Lord puts this at the end is the same exact reason that the Lord puts the, puts the reason for parables, the teaching of parables at the end of the parable. It is because He wants this to be the last thing that we're left with. The la and and when, when we put this in the Bible, He knew that we would put it here in this last, uh, this last few, few verses of chapter number 4. And I believe this is the message that the Lord wants to leave with you and I. 
we see here in this verse that he is giving us an indication of his purpose for him allowing us to go through storms and that is to teach us that we can trust him that those disciples could trust him and that you and I can trust him as well when we look here at this passage we see the Lord teaching them that they can trust him we see that he is telling and teaching them lessons in faith when we look at verse 40 what does he speak of he speaks of fear in verse 40 and he speaks of faith Matthew chapter number 8 says this this is our text there in verse 40 says why are you so fearful how is it that you have no faith Matthew put it this way he said why are you fearful O ye of little faith Luke chapter number 8 and verse 25 records all it records is the question where is your faith here he is dealing with them about their faith about them believing in and trusting in him as their God he is letting them know that their actions in the storm at best displayed a lack of faith. Remember Matthew chapter 8 verse 26 he says, O ye of little faith. He is telling them that at best their faith isn't where it ought to be. And at worst, Luke chapter number 8 in our text here in Matthew 4, uh, excuse me, Mark 4.40, he says this, Mark 4.40, he says, ye, uh, ye have no faith. How is it that ye have no faith? So, so Matthew says that they have little faith. Mark says they have no faith. And then Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 25, Jesus looks at them and says, where is your faith? In other words, I can't see your faith. Where is your faith located? Is your faith located in me or in the ability of nature and in the power of nature? He's telling, where is your faith? Why have you not trusted me? You see, here in this passage that we have read together, Jesus has given them every reason that they should trust him. I'll deal with some of the specifics here in just a moment. But if you look at verse number 35, and I know, I know me and Preacher Lewis have talked about this before, about this passage, verse 35, and the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. When Jesus said that to his disciples, he was giving them something through the storm to hang on to until they got to the other side. Jesus gave them that word and send them into the storm to see whether they would trust him or not. Jesus here is telling them, let's go to the other side. Let's pass over onto the other side. In other words, Jesus is saying, boys, there's another side of this body of water and that's where we're headed and that's where we're going right now. So let's go. And if they believed that he was who he said he was, and they believed that he was God's son, if they believed he was God manifest in the flesh, when God says, we're going to the other side, you can take it to the bank, you can mark it down, you can believe what God said, no matter what happens on the rest of the journey. Here we find that he is giving them a test to their faith. And sometimes the things that we go through is nothing more than God giving us an opportunity 
to see how much we really do trust Him. To realize that at best our faith isn't what it could be and isn't what it should be. And at worst there are times where we have no faith at all in our God. You say, preacher, why are the, why are the gospel accounts different in how they record the Lord's words? It's because God in us studying our Bible and comparing Scripture with Scripture wants us to put the pieces together and understand that that is what He's telling us. Sometimes we have a lack of faith. Other times we have no faith. We have an absence of faith. Here the Lord is letting us know that sometimes our faith isn't on the level that it should be on. And it lets us know that God does indeed have a level that He expects our faith to be on. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because He says in verse number 40, he says, why are ye so fearful? He says, he says in Matthew chapter number 8 and verse number 26, he says, why are ye fearful? In other words, the, the word so is removed. Not just why are you so fearful as if a little bit of fear is good enough. In Matthew's account, he says, why are you fearful at all? Now let me say this, I know this is something that is easier to preach than it is to live, but if we believe what we say we believe about the God of that Bible, there is never a moment where a child of God should live in fear. We should never be afraid. Now again, I'm, are you saying, preacher, you've never been afraid? I'm not telling you that. Because I promise you there have been times that I've been afraid. But here, according to this verse, Jesus speaking to them as the Son of God, speaking to them as who He is, He's giving them a lesson of faith. And He said, why are you fearful? In other words, if you believe that I am who I am and I'm here with you, there's no reason for you to fear. He says here in our verse, why are you so fearful? That teaches me that not only are we, are we disobedient at times, when it, we, are, we are going against a life of faith to live a life of fear, but so many times that in living in a life of fear, we let fear pile up in abundance in our life where God will look at us and say, why are you so fearful? I'm sad to say that there have been times in my life where God has had to speak to my heart and say, Josh Lawson, why are you so fearful? Why am I fearful at all? But why is it that you allow fear to pile up and to pile up to where now you have an abundance? Instead of an abundance of faith, we have an absence of faith and an abundance of fear that God never intended for us to have. He is saying that there is nothing that they have experienced that should be causing them fear, that the waves should not be causing them fear, that the wind should not be causing them fear, that the fact that Jesus was asleep should not be causing them fear, the fact that it's nighttime and it's dark and it could be scary on the ocean when it's incredibly dark. Jesus said you should not be fearful of that. Jesus is saying that it 
does not make sense to him how they or we can be fearful during the storm. When he said, how is it that you have no faith? He is letting them know that he is not seeing any faith on display by their actions. Not that that they do not have faith or have never possessed any faith, but that they do not, he does not see their faith on display. There will be times, child of God, where you will be more faith-filled than others. Can I say this? It's easy to be filled with faith within the four walls of this building. When you're here and preaching and you're singing in a choir and you're listening to special music and when we're having we're having church and we're having revival and we're serving the Lord, it's easy to be filled with faith in church. It's easy to be filled with faith in Sunday school. It's easy to be filled with faith when you're reading your Bible. But what happens when the bottom falls out of your life? Are you filled with faith or filled with fear? So many times... We allow the the bottom to fall out of our faith, and we let fear pile up and pile up. And God never intends for that to be the way a child of God ought to live. You say, preacher, why is that? We see Jesus giving them a test test of their faith. He is letting them know that, uh, that their faith isn't what it ought to be. Because when Jesus spoke to them, and He put them to the test, He wanted to see some things about some that would trust him. Number one, he wanted to see someone who had faith in his words to them. In verse number 35, he said, let us pass over unto the other side. When he said we're going to pass over, he was testing the fact whether they would actually take him at his word or not. Do you realize that one of the reasons why we are so absent of faith and why we have such an abundance of fear is because we fail to take God at his word. We'll leave the word of God out of our life. We'll leave preaching out of our life. We'll leave church out of our life. We'll leave Bible reading out of our life. And instead of filling up our life with the thing that produces faith, Faith cometh by, uh, amen. Now the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing, amen, the Word of God, amen. And how is it that we can have faith in our life if we stay so distant from the Word of God? This is how God pours faith and produces faith in our life, by believing the book, by believing what He said, and believing about the one that wrote the Word, that this is not just the words of men. I'm not reading you out of Mark's Gospel and we're just saying that it's the words of Mark. It's not just the words of John Mark, the compatriot of the Apostle Paul. No, but this is the very Word of God given to us through Mark's pen. If we believe this book is the Word of God, everything it says comes from God. Everything God says we have according to Titus, a God that can not lie to us. Amen. You can trust Him. And that's what this text teaches us. He wanted someone who would take Him at His Word, who had faith in His Word to them. But He wanted someone who had faith in His presence with them. The Bible says there in verse number 36, and when they had sent away the multitude, multitude, they took him, this is speaking about the Lord Jesus, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with, notice this, him, other little ships. Look at verse 38, and he was in the hinder part of the ship. 
He may have been asleep, but His presence was on board. Can I say this? Here Jesus is found asleep because He is in an earthly body that gets tired just like us. But today, with whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, we have a God that never sleeps nor slumbers. You'll never have to worry about whether He's going to be asleep on the job when it comes to what you're going through. You say, does anybody know? Does anybody care? Yes, He's aware, and yes, He cares. He wanted them to have faith in His presence with them, that He was with them every step of the way, and because He was with them, He cared cared for them. Number one, Jesus wanted someone who had faith in His Word to them. He wanted someone that had faith in His presence with them. But number three, and I've already stated that this is just, it comes right off of His presence. He wanted someone to have faith in His care for them. Can you imagine what it would have done in the heart of the Lord Jesus with who He is, leaving heaven to come to earth. Coming to earth for the, the single purpose to go to the cross and to die for the sins of the world and be made the propitiation of our sins. To, to die in our place. That that was His purpose to come, to seek and to save that which was lost. And then to hear these men that are supposed to be His most trusted followers or supposed to be the ones who are supposed to be the example of faith, an example of trusting Christ that have left all to follow Him and they are supposed to be the ones that are the most right with God, if I can use that terminology, of anyone on the planet. And they, he, he hears those men say, Master, carest thou not that we perish? In other words, he had to hear them say, Master, do you even care for us at all? Are you just willing to let us drown and willing to let us die here to indict the Lord with not caring for them? Do you realize that a lack of faith in our Savior truly does charge the Lord with not caring about us? When we choose to not believe Him, it is as if we are saying, Jesus, we can't trust that You care enough for us to see us through and to do for us what You've done for others. Jesus put them through this storm because He wanted someone that would trust His Word to them, that would trust His presence with them, that would trust His care for them, that, they would, that He would not abandon them the very moment that they needed Him the most. Lastly, He wanted someone who had faith not just in His Word to them, His presence with them, His care for them, but He wanted someone who had faith in His ability among them. By the way that they're acting, they are acting as if Jesus does not have the ability to do anything about the storm that was around them. Master, do you not care that we perish? You just going to let us die? You just going to let this happen? In verse 39, he arises, he rebukes the wind, he says, peace be still. And then at the end of that, they say, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
it seems like they are surprised at the Lord's ability in their midst. Here we see that had he not shown them his ability before to cause them to know, uh, he, had he not shown them his ability in this moment, they would have continued on disbelieving his ability, no doubt. I, 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 wonder, I wonder this, and we can look back, hindsight's twenty twenty. we can look at their lives and just ask questions like this. Had the Lord up to this point in his ministry with them, had he not already done enough to prove his ability to them? Why is it so shocking in this moment? Why is it so shocking that when he says, peace be still now, that it, they say, wow, what a man is this, and they marvel at his ability. Can I say this? We might look at those disciples and we might look down on them for that as if all the other things mattered little to nothing, but this event changed their whole view of Christ. But can I say that is exactly the way you and I are when the Lord does something for us. We go through this storm and we doubt His ability and we doubt His Word and we doubt His presence in our life and we doubt how much He cares for us and how He wants to see the storm come to an end just as much as we do and that He's protecting us all through time while He fulfills His purpose and creates in them a knowledge that they can trust Him. We look at the storm that we're in and we have tunnel vision to the point to where this storm is the only thing I can see. You know what we do, Brother Kevin? We forget about the thousands of times before that the Lord has come through. When He paid our bills, and He put clothes on our back, and He kept us safe on the roads, and He allowed us to have our babies safely, and all of the, all of the different things that God's done. When He took a bad report, and He allowed it to be changed into a good report, Amen? All of the things that God's done in the past, and we ignore all of those because this storm, God must have changed his mind, and God must be different now because he hasn't got on board with this particular need like I think he should in the timeline that I think he should. Really? That's the whole, that's the whole issue with these disciples here. They doubted Jesus in that storm because he didn't move in the timeline that they thought he should. They said he, just, he must not care about us anymore. Despite the fact that they left all to follow him. And every day he's given them a place to stay wherever he stayed. He's always given them food to eat. He's taking care of them every step of the journey. Even though they've left their jobs and they've left everything to follow him. They've not missed out on anything by following Jesus. But now everything must be different. Forget about all the times that he's took care of us before. He must have stopped caring about us now. Can I say this? This passage here, it teaches us that storms are a part of life. And sometimes storms do come without warning. It teaches us that our faith is not always where it should be. And as long as Jesus has promised that we will make it to the other side, as long as He is with us through the storm with a heart full of love, and as long as His power is not limited and it never is, then there is no reason for us to fear, no matter how big and scary the storms of life may be. Because the truth is, there's no storm that is a match for our Savior.
There's nothing this world has that can parallel what Jesus has at his disposal. Can I tell you today, when we're going through a storm, we may be tempted to act one way in discouragement, despair, and doubt, and doubting the Lord specifically. But let's remember how Jesus acts during a storm. When we're acting the way we act, Let's remember how Jesus acts. He acts presently. He's going to immediately begin to work in the way that you need. He acts peacefully. He will bring peace to the storm. He has the power to do it. And all the while, friend, don't get discouraged. There's a purpose in mind. He wants you to know that you can trust Him and that He's taking care of business even when you cannot. Let's remember how Jesus acts during a storm. Every head bowed, every eye Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.